0: How do you take medication for something that is invisible or something that's quote unquote inside your head? And if you do accept that and you start taking medication, how do you know which ones to start with? And what about the side effects? As-salamu alaykum and welcome to season two, episode seven of the Mentally Fit Muslims podcast. I'm your host Sabah Malik, and today I'm talking with Brother Omar Al Rashid, and he's going to be sharing his experience with medications as he has bipolar and ADHD. And I'm going to be sharing mine as well. All right, let's get started. As-salamu alaykum, Brother Omar. Thank you for coming back uh, to my show. How are you doing?
1: Wa alaykum as-salam. Alhamdulillah I'm doing very well thank you for having me
0: You're welcome. The last time you came you shared your story of having bipolar and ADhD and how you came through that and a little bit about your work today I wanted to talk to you about your experience with medication and particularly um, taking medication for bipolar and ADHD.
1: Sure, so just as a, as a reminder for those who may not have seen the first uh, discussion, I am uh, I have bipolar and I have ADHD and, and as well as diabetes and a few other health issues. But I also am a social worker and I help Muslims who are struggling with depression and anxiety. So one of the things as I'm answering your questions about medications, medications is such a huge topic and it's something that a lot of people have concerns about. And there tend to be two really opposite extremes. Some people are really anti-medication Some people are really only for medication. And so I wanna sort of, inshallah, have a balancing point, right? The prophet says you should deal with things on the middle path and you definitely want to do that. Um, So inshallah, I wanted to share with you that I actually have a survey that I've distributed to many of my Muslim clients. And I wanted to share not only my own experience with medications, which I'm gonna start with, but inshallah, I'm also going to share a little bit about what are some of the responses from the Muslim community about their experiences with medication.
0: And just remember, we're not giving any medical advice. We are not um, doctors or psychiatrists. So this is just experience from people who've actually been there. So kind of a client consumer point of view.
1: Absolutely. We are, I, I am not a doctor. I am not allowed to give prescriptions. That's not within my purview. I always refer out for that. Alhamdulillah, there are many good qualified psychiatrists who can do that. But you're right. I'm not. I'm not the one to do it.
0: What I want to say is that we have a unique point of view the the experience and the stuff we can share you can't find in a book so a lot of people they they come to you and me just asking oh what medication do you take for bipolar do you think this is good do you think this is not so this is kind of like a peer-to-peer sharing your experience um, type of thing it's not you know it's not from up and then down to the person but like kind of a conversation two-way
1: Absolutely. Thank you for that. So I'll, I'll I'll start by sharing my experiences with medications. I have experienced a lot of them. I was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of seven by uh, depression at the age of eight. And then my, by my diagnosis was changed to bipolar at the age of 11. So I've been on many, many medications throughout my life. And um, I will say as a general rule, the general advice that I would give to anyone is remember that Every med- every human being is different. Every person is an individual who is different. Some medications will work for you. Some medications may not work for someone else. Some people may have allergies to some medications. Some people may have adverse reactions to others. No two people are the same. It's really about trial and error. You know, when it comes to, to writing a book or going to school or doing anything, nobody assumes that you're going to get it right the very first time, you know, the first time that you try to draw a a, a falcon or a bird, the first time that you try to draw it, you're going to do it perfectly. Nobody believes that. We all know that in this life, it takes practice. It takes trial and error. It takes finding out what colored pencils, what remote control, what camera, what cell phone. You have to try different things in order to find something that really works for you. And the same is true with medication. You try it, you test it out, you test the waters, you see how it works with you, you see if there are side effects, you see if it helps, and if it doesn't, you try another one. It's not this idea of the first medication that I take should solve every problem in my life. Just like the first pair of shoes that you try on is not the one that you ultimately buy. You try on different pairs of shoes, you see which one feels comfortable, which one you like. Does that make sense? Just as a, as a baseline.
0: Yeah, that does. And unfortunately, that's the case with mental illness right now that we do have to go by trial and error. And inshallah, I hope in the future that because we have more knowledge, we can know, you know, with more certainty, because with that trial and error comes a lot of side effects that you have to put up with that you don't know you're going to have. And then at the same time, you have to have a very well trusted doctor So the trial and error is unfortunately what we have to go through to find a medication that works.
1: And that is true. But to be honest with you, and I'm going to share not really a a contrary position, but just sort of my perspective, Mm -hmm. I think that part of learning and part of enjoying anything in life is trial and error. The nature of Mm -hmm. life is trial and error. Like I said, no one goes to the shoe store and says, I should find the very first pair of shoes or the very first shirt or dress or pair of pants that I'm going to try on. I want the first one that I pick up to be the perfect one. No, we Mm -hmm. know you have to try it on. Different brands have different cuts, different sizes, you know, European sizing, American sizing, all sorts of different things. We go into it expecting that we have to try different things. And I think if we can change our expectations to align with reality, the world is what the world is. You know, it mm-hmm. happens that you have to try things. You don't know if the first cell phone you're gonna get is the best one. You have to try it. So I think, again, my my what my what advice to my clients and for myself especially, is always embrace the reality of what is. It just so happens that in this life you have to try different things. So if we know that we have to try different things, we can be prepared and have appropriate expectations that I might have to try three or four before I find the one that works for me. Maybe I'll get it the first time, but maybe I won't and I'm okay with that. So I do wanna share with you about my experiences with different
0: medications. Mm -hmm.
1: So I'm not going to share like the names of the prescriptions and which ones I took and which ones worked for me and which ones didn't. I could do that if that's what you're interested in. But really what I can say is that it helps that you try, The first of all, always follow the guidance and the advice of your doctor. When they prescribe Mm -hmm. something a certain way, Take it the way that they tell you, try it out for a few days, be in communication with your doctor. Your doctor is your ally. They're not there trying to you know, screw you over or something like that, Now, they're just there trying to help you find what works. So when you feel something, if you feel strange, if you feel this, if you feel that, keep the lines of communication open. Also, be open to the fact that sometimes these medications take a few days to take effect in your body. So it might be that the first day you take the first pill, you feel really overwhelmed, but then the second day you feel less drowsy or you feel less of whatever the side effect is because your body's getting used to it. So it takes time. That would be another piece of advice that I would give. But I would also, I guess I wanna start by saying that we have to keep an open mind, you know, and actually I wear contact lenses, so I don't uh, mm-hmm. I don't have my glasses with me, but there mm-hmm. is no human being in this world, in this modern day and age, who says, you know what? I know I have a, I have nearsightedness. I can't see very far. I'm not gonna wear glasses because I don't believe in glasses. <laughs> no, if you need glasses, you put on glasses. Mm-hmm. If you need, If you break your leg, you put on a cast. If you need a medicine, you take it. We don't argue and say, oh, you don't need a medication, brother. You don't need a medication, sister. Your Iman will get you through. Nobody says your Iman will get you through for glasses. <laughs> You put on the glasses, problem solved. So the idea that we have to open up our hearts that there are some biological illnesses that require a biological, pharmaceutical medicine to help treat with. It's, it's a very, I think when we open our hearts that there is healing. Allah says that he has created every illness along with its healing. So the healing is possible in the earth, in in the world. And this medication is something that Allah has given us access to that helps us to feel better with our condition. So just this idea that it's not going to cure everything. You need to take the medication and the medication helps you if you need it. The medication mm-hmm. helps you to establish a baseline. Then you have to do the counseling. Then you have to do the dhikr. Then you have to do all of the other things that go along with it. Medication doesn't solve everything, but it gives mm-hmm. you the ability to be well enough to experience happiness and overcome the, dep- the bipolar, the depression, or whatever symptoms you may have.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely gives you a, a baseline. Exactly. And I think. Um, knowing that beforehand, that to be open to different medications, I think that's the biggest paradigm shift because with mental illnesses, we've been taught that they are or people think that they're just in the head, right? So if it's just in the head and it's invisible, you don't really need something physical to manage it because everything else, if it's a physical illness, people can see it. So they have an easier time saying that this is what you need. So I think with mental illness, we need a paradigm shift in that there, there are biological roots to it. Therefore, we need a biological component to our treatment system. So I agree with you in that.
1: Absolutely. So um, I'm actually looking at my research now and I'm seeing the, in my survey, I asked the question, are you currently taking prescription medications for your mood? And 23% of Muslims who responded said that, yes, they're taking medications. 77% reported that they're not currently taking medications. And for those who answered that they did take medications between 20 and 25%, actually, sorry, between 30 and 35% said that the, the beneficialness of the medications was above a six. So seven, eight, nine, 10. So 40% of people basically said that these medications were beneficial. I find Mm -hmm. that around 40% or 50% said that it was less beneficial. So it depends Mm -hmm. on the experience of the person. I also have uh, responses from people who tried medications in the past, but they Mm -hmm. stopped taking the medications. And so Mm -hmm. 37% of people responded that they used to take medications in the past and stopped. And again, they gave the reasons. Some of them said that, like some examples of reasons that they that they uh, stopped taking the medications. Um, some people said I was afraid of becoming addicted. I was weaned off. Some people mm. said the side effects were not worth it. But there are many people who claim and explained that the beneficia- the medications are beneficial for maintaining their solutions. And remember, this survey that I'm administering is not for people who are recovered. This is for people who are struggling. So of course the people who are struggling are often the ones who got off of the medications and didn't find relief. Does that make sense? I I wanna clarify that this isn't everyone who's on medications who took the survey. This is people who in the moment they took the survey were feeling distressed. This is people who are struggling. And I was just trying to get an understanding for those people who are struggling, have they tried medications in the past? but there are many people like yourself and like myself mm. who take medication and are enjoying it and benefiting from it and mm. feel relief. But people mm. like you and me don't necessarily take the survey. So yeah, yeah. Right? this is a survey for people who are seeking care, not a survey of people mm. who are established in wellness and care. I think that the the big takeaway is that this understanding that medications can be beneficial, it's just another tool in the toolbox. Because you need a saw. Sometimes you need a hammer. Sometimes you need a screwdriver. You don't say, I'm never going to use a screwdriver in my life. I'm never going to use it. No, if you need it, you use it. If you don't need it, you don't use it. You know? Yeah. One of the other things that I want to share, and actually I want to share with you a very interesting story. Um, I have a friend who's a mentor of mine and a very established mm-hmm. social worker. He worked in a high uh, in a crisis unit for psychology for, for social work and, and um, mental health patients. And they noticed a pattern. There was a person for 30 years and many many of these people for 30 years they would come to the doc- to the hospital, they would be admitted, they would be put on medications, they would recover, then they'd take themselves off of their medications, then they'd go right back to the hospital, they'd be admitted mm-hmm. again, and they would be hospitalized again, they'd be put on medications, they'd be stabilized, they'd live for two months, three months, then they'd take themselves off their medications and go right back to the ER, right back to the emergency room, right back to the inpatient, over and over and over again. And he he was asking the clinical director, why is it that they live like this for 30 years, getting on medications, getting stable, and then taking themselves off medication? And what he what the clinical director told him was ultimately, they believe that they're cured and they don't need the medicine anymore. They don't realize that it's the medicine that is allowing them to be stable. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You have to stay on the medication. If it's working for you, stay on it. That doesn't mean that you don't need it anymore. It means that it's Mm -hmm. doing its job. So something that a big temptation for people is, oh, I'm feeling good now. I don't need this anymore, no. The reason you feel good is because you're taking the medication and you're living your other Islamic practices and things that you need in order to recover Mm -hmm. and do well. Don't fall into that trap of those people who for 30, 40, 50 years, ER, uh, emergency room, uh, hospitalization, they get stabilized on medications, they get discharged, they live a happy life for a month, then they take themselves off their medications and they go through it all over again. Mm -hmm. Don't do one of those statistics,
0: please. Yeah. Sadly, I I was that statistic for for a couple of years. I think the first three or four years of when I started medication and what broke the cycle was uh, during one of the routine ER visits again, um, the psychiatrist there, she made my visit and stay hell. Like She made it so bad. And then when I went to visit her, she actually said, you know what, I'm going to make this visit so bad. It's going to suck so much that you'll never want to come back here. was like wow what a good doctor (laughs) you know it kind of then I started you know it hit me that yes at that point I knew yes I needed these medications for wellness it's not like an Advil that when you get a headache and then you take it and when the headache is gone that you know you stop taking the medications because I remember there were times I would get bottles of medication and I remember just throwing them in my room or in the garbage it didn't make sense to me because you know we didn't I didn't have like people like us talking and sharing their experience. I was all alone and I had no knowledge of this. So right. I can understand I didn't have the 30 years, but I did have, you know, that couple of years, that adjustment, knowing that, you know, I, I need this for my wellness. Right. And when I left the hospital, I asked myself, okay, when I go to the hospital, what is it that works? You know, what is it in the psych ward that helps me? And I realized one of the things was they always had light colors, the rooms are like very empty. There's minimal stuff. So when I came home, I set that up for myself. So the good stuff that was in the ER in the hospital, I adopted that. So I didn't need that, you know, always rushing there.
1: Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah, and that's definitely the lesson for all of us: is that Alhamdulillah, when we know better, we do better. This is a mm-hmm. quote of my Angelou: "When you know better, do better." Mm -hmm. And so we don't have to blame ourselves, we don't have to condemn ourselves for making mistakes. And I'm not judging and I'm not also not condemning the people who go through the cycle. I'm just bringing it to all of your audience's attention because this is something that could happen to us, but it doesn't have to. When we realize that we're stable, when we feel comfortable on the medications and we've found a good dose, just stay and consistent, you know, Mm -hmm if, if it's, it's, a, it's it's a blessing to be able to take the, the medicines and to find something that matches. And again, like we said yeah. before, sometimes it takes trial and error. Like I remember I tried lithium, I tried this, I tried that, and this worked for me and this didn't work for me. And maybe the same medication will work for you that didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. I was allergic to some medication, and maybe you're not going to be allergic. In fact, mm-hmm. I have another friend who's a bipolar and she uses that same medication that I was allergic to. You know, it really mm-hmm. depends on on your body, on your there's you know there's more than one medication because there's more yeah. than one person on Earth. We need different things, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. So just to name a few, like I know about lithium. There's Seroquel, There's um, Ativan. There's Lamictal. Yes. What are some names you can just
1: throw out there? Sure, and and I can I can share the ones that I've been on and the ones that I'm aware of. Um, so for Ador- for ADHD. The medications tend to be Adderall, uh, Ritalin, uh, Stratera. There is a Vyvanse, I think is a relatively new, well, before, a relatively new one. there are things in that nature; those classes, which are stimulants, right? Uh, Stratera is actually not a, a stimulant like other AD mm-hmm. medications, but it's a, a different class. And by the way, I'm not a psychiatrist; I just have <laughs> dealt with. Yeah, so let's time.
0: keep emphasizing that we're just sharing our experience. We're sharing
1: our experiences. Yeah. We're not. We're not clinically. We're not doctors. I'm not a doctor. No. Anyway,
0: which uh, can be even more useful. The experience can be more useful. That is
1: true. That is true. So, because you yeah. have to know. So some of the. The bi- uh, bipolar medications are, like you said, lithium. Lithium is something that's a mood stabilizer. Um, there are, li- there's lithium. There's Depakote, which I that was the first prescription that I was given when I was uh, when my bi- when my diagnosis was changed from depression to bipolar. I was on Depakote. Uh, mm-hmm. I took Geodon. I took mm-hmm. Neurontin. I took Risperdol or Risperidone. Um, I took. Let's see, what else have I been on? Abilify, I had I had a bad reactions to that. I didn't agree with my body. I was on Topamax that made me really drowsy. oh well, these
0: are all uh, sound very familiar. I think I've tried each one.
1: Yeah, Abilify, <laughs> yeah. Topamax. Um, I was
0: Zyprexa. I, I I
1: never was on Zyprexa. Or maybe I was very briefly. I was also on um, what is it called? Tra- Trazodone. I think is what it was called. Okay. I was on Trazodone.
0: So we have like uh, general. Uh, classes so there's mood stabilizers there's antidepressants there's stimulants there's um,
1: antipsychotics
0: anti-psycho- antipsychotics
1: yeah and
0: some of them are very addictive like ativan uh, which is Xana, yeah. benzodiazepine is that how you say it
1: benzodiazepine I think. yeah so
0: those are generally very addictive right
1: that i don't know about to be honest with okay you. I, I, I never took ativan so i'm not really familiar okay with that one
0: yeah, because talk to your doctor because the medications that are addictive, it's very easy to to fall into that trap. And I know for me, for one of them, my doctor stopped prescribing it because it's very easy for some some people to do that. One thing I will say, because I have
1: ADHD, I take Adderall. I, I to this day, take Adderall. and I take a very mm-hmm. low dose. But there are actually some patients who benefit from controlled substances. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. allow... The fact that it's a controlled substance to stop mm-hmm. you from trying it. Maybe try yeah. other things first, but if you need something and if it's not working, if other things aren't working, go to it. Just be careful. Just like yeah, it does. just has to be controlled. That's it why does. it's a controlled substance? They they limit. Yeah. it Very hard to to get your hands on it. They they mm-hmm. make it, they make you jump through all the hoops. You know, yeah. but it really works. At least that ADHD medication Adderall really helps me. It really helps to bring me balance, especially with my ADHD combined with bipolar because there's a fine line between ADHD and mania in bipolar where if you are corrected for the ADHD, you may become depressed. And if you're if you allow the ADHD to go too far, it turns into mania. So you have to be very careful when you have dual diagnosis. But anyway, that, that's my story. So yeah. So those are some of the medications that I've taken. Now the medications that I'm currently on are Latuda, which I find to be, it's a, it's a, it's an, it's a class two alternative antipsychotic, I believe. And it's a very low dose of course, but that medication Latuda has been very good for me. I find it, it works well with my body, with my system. I'm also on Wellbutrin, which is an antidepressant, but it's actually in the class of stimulants. So it does have it runs the risk as an antidepressant to make mania worse, but I'm very careful with the dosing of it and therefore I only take enough to treat the depression rather than pushing me over into mania. It's a, it's a yeah. very delicate balance yeah. because many yeah. antidepressants cause mania. That's why that's why we're called bipolar, both extreme yeah. mania to depression. Right? So yeah. it's very important that you be careful that you don't take so much of an antidepressant that you become mm-hmm. manic or that you take so much of a mood stabilizer that you become depressed. So you need a balancing, mm-hmm. a balancing point between them. And again, mm-hmm. work with your doctor. We are not doctors, we're just sharing our experiences.
0: What right. about side effects?
1: Okay, so side effects. Some of the medications cause drowsiness. Um, one, you know, I'll tell you this, my belief about medications, and this is my advice um, to my doctor friends when they're passing it along to others, and this is my advice to you. Try to embrace the fact that every medication has a side effect. Ask the doctor before you test the medication what the side effects are. Choose which side effects are you willing to have and which ones are you not. Now, lithium actually helped me very much, but it caused weight gain and I was not okay with that. Mm -hmm. I told the doctor, I've gained 20 pounds, I'm not doing this anymore, find something else. So understand what the side effects are and do a calculated risk and say, look, one of the medications that I take Latuda causes drowsiness. Therefore I take it at night. So it helps Mm -hmm. me to sleep at night. Well, Butrin gives me a lot of energy. It makes, it's it's a stimulant, it's, it's an antidepressant. So I take it in the morning and it helps boost my energy for the day take the side effects that you know are going to be there and plan your day and your life accordingly does that make sense and again mm-hmm. test medications that you feel comfortable with the side effects sometimes the they say that it has the it, it may have it may cause weight gain i generally never take I, I do not advise people take medications that cause weight gain some people that's all that they can take to feel their balance like i have a friend who has bipolar an older gentleman that's all he can take. Is I think it's Depakote is what he takes, and that causes weight yeah. And he 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 can't. He's tried everything else. Nothing else works for him. If that that's a last case scenario, try the other medications first. You know,
0: yeah.
1: try to do your research. Try to talk to the doctor and ask them what. And then you could even ask the doctor, could you give me a list of all of the medications and their side effects. And let me choose which ones I'm willing to start with. Now, if it doesn't work, you've got to find something else. Like Topamax and, um, and Abilify, those made me drowsy, but I never woke up. You know what I mean? Like when I took, I had to take them in the morning, I was drowsy. I was like a zombie the whole day. I stopped taking them. Now, not everybody has that reaction. I'm not saying Topamax is a bad drug. I'm not saying that Abilify is a bad drug. I'm just saying this was its reaction for me. You have to try it and, and find out for yourself. Again, so do, I'm not blacklisting medications. My only point is that, Try to understand the potential side effects and test them one by one by one by one. Take your time, you know. Yeah. Give yourself, accept that you're going to feel sick for a while and that you're not going to feel immediately relief, but just embrace the fact that it'll take some time. But when you find the sweet spot, that's what they call it, right? The sweet spot, the proper dose. Everything feels amazing, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's that's the part, the waiting part, the trying and the weight gain is it's a very tough side effect because once that happens, you enter a whole new problems you have to worry about. Like, uh, I'm not going to talk about it. So I'll just mention like metabolic syndrome. And then with the weight gain, if you start, uh, you know, have obesity and then diabetes and then people need other medications just to treat the side effects of the bipolar medication. So it can get very sticky. And I think that's where, um, quote unquote, alternative medications come into play because we cannot just rely on. Uh, psychiatric medications. In the beginning, when you have a really, let's say when you are being diagnosed, you have your first manic episode or depression episode where you become suicidal and you're in the ER and right there and then you need something strong. You need the medication right away to bring you on track, like to literally have that insight back. So in the beginning, I find people who are diagnosed, they need that right away. And then slowly, slowly, as they're recovering, they get more knowledge, then they can start to think, okay, which one is better? That's where you know the calculated risk starts to come in. So I think at that point, you know, you need to also look beyond because it's not just the medication. And that's that's like I find the two polar opposites. People think, okay, it's just the medication that I need. I don't need to change anything else in my life and that'll save me. And then other people are like, no, medication is a crutch. I'm not gonna use it. I can do this. I can do this. Right. So what do you think? How do we adopt a middle uh, a balanced view and why is that important?
1: It's, it's absolutely what Islam teaches. The prophet said, take the middle path and the middle path is best because it's not a crutch that you can do without and I'll just willpower my way through it. You can't do that. Just like you can't do that with glasses. Oh, I'm just gonna squint for the rest. Of- no, you can't see. You can't see, put on your glasses. I'm wearing contacts. Put on your contacts, put on your glasses. You won't be able to see without it. That's That's it, you know? And so, um, on the second point, you know, it's not about all I'm gonna do is take these medications and I don't have to change anything else in my life. I like to think about bipolar, the way that I'm living now. I am, um, the word I will use is affected. influenced very much by everything in my life. People who are bipolar tend to be very sensitive and they tend to be very uh, influenced by the things that we touch. And so, there's actually um, uh, there's a there's a not even a hadith. There's a principle in Islamic sciences that says that there are five gateways to the soul: your sense mm-hmm. of touch, your sense of sight, your sense of smell, your sense of hearing, and your sense of what's the sense I'm missing? See
0: vision, I'm seeing,
1: hearing, uh, smelling, touch. And taste, sorry, taste mm-hmm. is the last one. Those five senses are your gateways to the soul. When you see something haram, it affects your soul. When you see something halal, it it enhances your soul. When you taste something haram, it affects your soul. When you taste something halal and tayyib, good, wholesome, it helps your soul. So the same is true with all of the senses, even listening to music or listening to dua or listening to positive music or listening to negative music. Everything we expose ourselves to affects us. I don't, I've, we've had this conversation last top call actually yeah. about television. Sometimes yeah. when you watch a movie or you watch a TV show, Your whole, me, my whole body, my whole soul gets messed up by watching this show. Like, I literally, like, I'm like, oh, my God, what is happening? So I just stay away from certain things. This is what Islam teaches. Protect your soul. But that means that you have to be aware of what you're exposing your soul to. And you have to go through life saying, is this action? Is this person? Is this food? Is this music or sound? is this experience going to be bring me good for my for my bipolar or bad for my bipolar? Is it going to make me unstable or is it gonna make me stable? I think you brought up a very good example about the, in the ER room they have, mm-hmm. or in the hospital, they have very little distractions. You'll notice that in my in my home, this is my home, there are plain walls and they're plain beige. Now I didn't paint these walls, it's just the apartment. Yeah. But it's plain walls. I don't have a lot of distraction. I don't have a lot of clutter. I yeah. find that having too much clutter makes me feel not at ease. Mm-hmm. So I choose to reduce clutter in my life. Yeah. I make. I like having sim- th- simplicity. Helps yeah. me with my bipolar. It's a decision that I make. It's not yeah. a mistake. It's not an accident. It's something mm-hmm. that I say. You know what? I really realize that this simplicity and minimalism helps my bipolar so i'm going to embrace it as a way of life does everybody have to do it no some people Mm -hmm. like being hoarders some people Mm -hmm. like being having millions of things and all this stuff but i don't Mm -hmm. i find it makes me feel less happy less calm less content
0: Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah i just find when you have more stuff for my brain it's more to process because when Mm -hmm. you're talking about the senses. I try to explain it to other people and then I'm like, I'm done. I'm not going to justify it. (laughs) I just know myself now, which is the more things I see, the more I talk to someone that, you know, just like extra above, the more even visual stuff I have to process. It's a lot more strain on my brain, especially when I'm not feeling well. I know that I need to go in my room, which by the way, mine is all empty walls too. It's white. I have just my bed and my prayer corner. That's all I have in my room. And it's just Mm -hmm. for sleeping. So Mm -hmm. when I have less stimuli to process, my brain has an easier time. So I know that about myself now. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is, yes, it's very true. And that's unique for everyone. Mm
1: -hmm. I am someone who loves being overstimulated and that happens to be my nature. But mm-hmm. I find that choosing the appropriate stimulation and the healthy stimulation is where I put my balancing point. Does that make sense? So everyone yeah. is unique. Some people like high stimulation. Some people like low stimulation. Some people like to avoid interaction. Some people like to choose positive interaction. Everyone mm-hmm. has to do that self-discovery for themselves. And this is this is the journey of life. Alhamdulillah. This is our adventure. Uh, something mm-hmm. that I used to say is we are living in an adventure of the mundane. We are on a quest for the mundane. We are the superhero in our own little story of life. And we get to experience that. Oh, the, the, the main character, I don't know, Harry, I don't know how many people don't like Harry Potter. I like Harry Potter, but Harry Potter finds out that he has to do this and he can't do this and he doesn't like this and he does like this. We're all on our own adventure in life. Mm-hmm. I do like this, I don't like this. I feel comfortable with this. I don't feel comfortable with this. This makes me feel empowered this makes me feel unstable. You've just got to figure learn, know yourself. And this is in Islam. Mm-hmm. من عرف, من عرف the one who he who knows himself or herself knows his Lord. You mm-hmm. cannot know Allah if you do not know yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, we have yeah. to get to know ourselves very well. And mm-hmm. actually, I think that Muslims with bipolar have an advantage on the spiritual path. Yeah. Because we are forced. To know ourselves. Whereas other people can go through life like a sheep and just go through the motions. But we have to know ourselves. We have to invest that time. And then in the process, if we use it this way, it is a blessing that Allah gives us to get relationship with Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah,
0: we have to see it as an opportunity to get closer to Allah. And that's so, what it is. Yeah. So in that sense, what um other treatment options have you adopted in your life besides medication? I wouldn't even say other treatments. I would say that medication is a part of That's exactly your support system. I'm going, system. To, say.
1: I'm going so, to say that for me, medication is a baseline, like we talked about mm-hmm. before. It's not, I'm going to take medications for a couple of years until I don't need it anymore. It is, I take medications because it gives me the baseline ability to succeed. But after I have the baseline opportunity to succeed, I now have to do something else to actually take it to the next point. And I'm going to give this example of reading. Imagine you're illiterate. You don't know how to read or write, English or Arabic or any other language. Now, the baseline is the medication. Somebody teaches you how to read and write. But if I know how to read and write Arabic or English, but I never do it, is there any benefit to being able to read and write. Not at all. You are not benefiting. There is no difference between a person who can't read and write and a person who doesn't read and write. They're both equally ignorant. They're both disadvantaged the same. But when you have the baseline ability to feel good by taking the medications, then you have to take active action to maintain your integrity, to maintain your happiness, to maintain your positive moods. And that involves, for example, therapy, talking to a coach, talking to a counselor, talking to a social worker like myself, where you can talk through your troubles and your challenges to reorient your mind so that the negative thinking that you're a feeling can be addressed and can be solved and can be cleansed so that you can purify your own nafs so you can purify your own soul. It's very important. So that's one category of of alternative treatment, which is again, you have the medication on one side that gives you baseline, and you have therapy that is a tool that you use to continue to go through life and to experience fullness. People think, oh, therapy is, is about all my problems and there's something wrong with me. No, therapy is about becoming the best version of yourself that you can possibly be, to feel happier than you've ever felt in your life. That's what therapy is for, to help you feel that internal peace and happiness, right? That's what it's for, especially when you work with a, a knowledgeable Muslim coach, someone who knows what they're talking about, and especially who has experience with it, right? So so that's that. Now, I want to share with you some other things that can be helpful. And I've thought about this um, both ways. Um, it may be somewhat, I'm not going to, give it the long version i'm going to give it the short version inshallah maybe we can do another episode where i where i where i uh, discuss it at length but i mm-hmm. want to show with you so i have i have this uh, sibha the tasbih there was a gift that my brother's wife gave me from egypt which is a mm-hmm. pendant in silver and i i chose the stones and i chose the design and i really mm-hmm. i really do like it but i wear this because i can do dhikr i do i love the tasbih i love it very mm-hmm. much and i do it whenever i need it But one of the practices, the spiritual practices that is within the Islamic toolkit that I teach my clients and that I teach people that I work with is something called mindful dhikr. What is mindful dhikr? Dhikr is remembrance of Allah, of course. So, you know, we say, alhamdulillah, uh, subhanallah, alhamdulillah, allahu akbar, allahu akbar, alhamdulillah, subhanallah, 33 times after our prayer. Many Muslims do that. Some people believe it's mandatory. It's actually not mandatory. It's just something that's highly recommended. OK, so what I found myself doing in the past, Allahu Akbar, 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 Allahu Akbar. going very, very, very fast like a yeah. parrot, That's not mindfulness with. the thing. Mm-hmm. So what I did, I made my pra- my prayer beads. Right. It's broken down into sets of 11. So there are 11 stones here. There are 11 from this brown one to this brown one. And then there are 11 here as well. I take my hand. I say, Allahu Akbar, alhamdulillah, subhanAllah. I go around. As Mm -hmm. I'm feeling the stones, and actually something about the tactile function, feeling it with my fingers, brings peace to my heart. Again, this is about the senses, the sense Mm -hmm. of touch. I'm incorporating it into my self soothing into my feeling better and my dhikr and my remembrance of Allah. But the point that I wanted to make was as I'm doing my dhikr, I don't just say the Arabic of of the dhikr. A lot of people are obsessed with everything in Arabic. You have to say this in Arabic, but Arabic is not our first language. I'm an Arab, my family's Egyptian, but my first language is still English. I'm much more proficient in English than Arabic. Mm. I know Arabic somewhat, but I'm not fluent. So what I do is I say Allahu Akbar. Then I translate Allahu Akbar into English. Mm. God is greater. Then I do something that is unique that I don't think any other Muslim or any other person has told me about before. But this is something that I do for my spiritual practice. I believe very much in affirmations, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of the resources that I offer to the community, all for many of them for free, and many of them yeah. expensive. They're not. you have very-
0: divine affirmations? Your ebook,
1: divine, divine affirmation. Affirmations. Divine yeah. affirmations is one of my ebooks, but there's also a book called the the breakthrough the, challenge. the breakthrough challenge. Yeah. Uh, Islamic Relief, Seven Days to Islamic Relief mm-hmm. from Depression and Anxiety. Mm-hmm. In that ebook, I talk about the importance of affirmations. Now, you've been to the doctor, you've been to the hospital. I'm sure that they taught you affirmations. That's something that many yeah. mainstream doctors, psychiatrists, social workers teach. But mm-hmm. I teach using Islamic based affirmations, not just any affirmation. So one of the things that I've chosen to do for myself, in addition to journaling on a piece of paper and handwriting or typing my affirmations, when I'm doing dhikr, I include my affirmations. The Mm -hmm. three most important affirmations to me, based on the struggles that I was dealing with, I attach them to my dhikr. So what does that look Mm -hmm. like? Mm -hmm. Allahu Akbar, God is greater, I am worthy. I struggled for a long time with my feelings of self-worth. Mm-hmm. I felt I was never good enough. I felt I was, I was a, uh, no matter how many people recognized me or told me I was doing good things, you know, I think last session we talked about some of the accomplishments. I'm not going to repeat them, mm-hmm. but alhamdulillah, I've been blessed to do many things, but it was never enough for me. I never mm-hmm. felt worthy. Even though people told me I was such a good person, I didn't believe them. I thought they were mistaken. I thought, They didn't know who I really was, but I'm really flawed and I'm really evil and you just don't know. So that's why I incorporated Allahu Akbar, God is greater. Allahu Akbar, God is greater. I am worthy. But because Allah is greater, that's why I am worthy. That's why they're connected. Mm -hmm. It is the greatness of Allah... And the fact that he is the majestic creator of the universe, he created the heavens, he created the earth, he created the sun and the moon and the mountains and everything else perfectly. He also created me Mm -hmm. and I am a creation of Allah. And therefore I have inherited his honor and dignity because of his greatness, I am worthy. Do you see how that connects? Yeah. Now my next dhikr, when I get down to this point, I say alhamdulillah, praise be to God. I value my great gifts. I value my great gifts. That's one of my personal affirmations. And I say I value my great gifts because I used to compare the gifts that I have with the gifts of other people. And I was never envious in the sense of wanting them to lose their blessings, but I felt like other people have better things than me and I what I have is not good. Alhamdulillah, Allah has blessed me with wisdom and blessed me with knowledge and a a calm and a happy demeanor and these things. But I saw other people who had successful marriages or big houses or whatever, whatever. And I I denigrated in my own self my gifts. And I thought that their gifts were better than mine. Mm. That makes sense? And again, I never wished ill upon anybody. Alhamdulillah, that's not something that I've struggled with. But I often wished. I wish I could just have a, a nice home like they do. I wish I could mm-hmm. have a successful marriage like they did. I, my marriage ended in divorce, as you know. So mm-hmm. I'm again, looking, inshallah, one day I will get married again, inshallah.
0: inshallah. But that's inshallah. not the point, that's
1: not the point. The point is that- Just putting I, the word out there. <laughs> yeah, right. I value my great gifts. I value mm-hmm. my great gifts. The fact of the matter is the gifts that Allah gave me of wisdom, of the ability to empathize with people, the ability to connect with people, the ability to help people is a great gift. But most of all, Allah gave me the greatest gift, which is eternal bliss, happiness, contentment. There are many people I know who are married and have big houses and they're stressed and they hate themselves and they hate their kids and they're struggling and they lose their temper all the time and they're very angry and they're very sad. They're very overwhelmed. I don't have any of those issues because I invested in my self-care. I took care of myself. I yielded to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I did it in a way that helped me with my bipolar and everything else. I'm probably happier than 99% of the people who don't have bipolar. So alhamdulillah, praise be to God. I value my great gifts. Then when I get to this point, to the other brown one, the other tiger, tiger eye, I say subhanallah, Glory to God. I love my soul. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always been a good friend. I take good care of my friends. Whenever somebody has a problem, I'll be there for them. If somebody's being hard on themselves, I'll say, No, brother, you're such a good brother. Don't worry about it. You know, you're doing the best that you can. Don't feel bad. You're going to make it. Everything's going to be okay. A lot of people turn to me for support, but I was never that loving to myself. Mm-hmm. It was so easy for me to be loving and supportive to my friends but I wasn't loving and supportive to myself. Mm -hmm. And I learned I love my soul. Subhanallah, glory be to God and glory be to the God who gave me love for my soul as well. He doesn't just want me to love other people. He wants me to love other people, but he wants me to love myself too. So that's why I incorporated those affirmations into my daily dhikr. How many times a day do you do dhikr? Some people do it every day. Some people do it once a day. Some people do it five times a day. Whatever Mm -hmm. it is. I find that by incorporating affirmations of the soul, of our own selves, with the dhikr of Allah, we get to put the two together and we cover Mm -hmm. the balance of both. So that's an example of a non-pharmaceutical, non-medication way to embrace our self-worth. It's by using these affirmations. So again, I mentioned this ebook that you have of mine, actually, Mm -hmm. The the Breakthrough Mm -hmm. Challenge. And it goes in great detail about how you can do this Islamic practice daily that makes you feel amazing. And it really is
0: relief, Islamic relief from depression and anxiety. Just talking about the affirmations, the divine affirmations, I really love the, the prayer bead, the example that you gave and the one that you use for yourself. And I find, um, I think you touched upon this too, the affirmations that if you have it, and it's devoid of spirituality and especially about believing in allah then it be- all becomes about you like when you say i am worthy i can do this i love myself there comes a point where you realize actually i can't i'm a human and i cannot do this by myself so i remember i did that and then there came a point i'm like this is just garbage these affirmations are like nothing but when you're saying you combine it with allah's name with dhikr it adds a whole dimension that I think is not there in Western medicine, the spirituality aspect. It's not there and that causes a lot of problems. And the prayer beads I notice, it's very tactile. Hmm. So you're probably somebody who's um, the sense of touch is very important to you. It's something that appeals to you. For me, it's interesting because when I'm not feeling well, my sense of touch is the last thing I want to draw upon. I actually, you know I'll, I'll go in a very white space, I'll go in my bed, and even wear white clothes and wrap myself in a white blanket, everything white and touch, um, not try to touch anything. Because it's like that sense of mind goes just crazy. And for me, the sense that really appeals to me is a sense of um, hearing. So mm-hmm. what I'll do is I'll listen to Quran, I'll, I'll say du'as out loud. And the way I like that you made the tasbih or the prayer bead yourself Mm. because I do something similar, which is instead of just uh, writing du'as, which is another form of adhkar, remembering Allah, instead of just hearing them and reading them in a book, I write them myself.
1: Mm. And then I'll
0: record myself saying it because I find when I do that, it kind of personalizes it, like Mm. how you're doing the beads. So Mm. I think divine affirmations, it's a really, really huge part of our recovery process. Hmm. So there's medication, there's therapy, and then therapy should go into your own personal divine affirmations.
1: And so, so I could share that I have an ebook with the title, Divine Affirmations.
0: Yeah, that, that's e-book. why I brought it up. I yeah, I, yeah. I know you have that. That's yeah. why.
1: So this that this piece of the test is actually not in that book, believe it or not. Oh, okay. this, this is separate, actually.
0: Okay. Divine sorry, I didn't
1: know that. It's okay. No, it's okay. It's okay. The divine affirmations has noble affirmations derived from the Quran. So the three that I use on my be I am worthy, I value my great mm-hmm. gift, and I love my soul. Those are things that I came up with that I needed to, to, to benefit from. But the divine affirmations are affirmations derived from Quranic ayat. For example, in Surah Chapter Two, I believe it's 153. Al 153. <laughs> <laughs> ya yuhalladina aminu, ista'inu bi sabr wa salat <laughs> in
0: allahumma asabirin. In Oh you who
1: believe, Ya yuhalladina aminu. Oh you who believe, ista'inu bi sabr wa salat. Seek help from God with patience and prayer. In allahumma asabirin. Verily, Allah is with the patient. That's the verse of the Quran. <laughs> I believe that's 2 153 or 155. I think it's 153. I took that ayah and I mm. created a divine affirmation from that ayah, which says, I am patient and persevere. So Allah is always with me. Mm. It's take- so you like personalize the dua. I personalized the Quran. I took the ayahs of the Quran and I wrapped it into something that I can write down that connects with my Islam and my Quran. Because the greatest gift that we have is in Quran al-Kareem. But a lot of times when the when the the, the, the sheikh on the minbar says sabri oh you who believe, uh, seek assistance through patience and prayer. Indeed, Allah is with the patient. We don't see ourselves in that ayah. Mm-hmm. We see the ulama, we see the scholars, we see the MBA, we see the Prophet, we see the companions, we see others. But we don't see ourselves because yeah. it's not written that way. It's not what yeah. it's for. But, if you can take that principle and say, "I am patient and persevere and seek assistance with God, therefore, Allah will always be with me." It's mm-hmm. a comfort. That's the purpose of the divine affirmations, that ebook that I have.
0: And again, it comes
1: with many other resources, actually. It's part yeah. of the Islamic, the complete Islamic tool uh, journaling toolkit. So it comes with uh, top twenty affirmations and how to write your own, which has my personal affirmations and how to write your own based on your own situation. Top 20 mm-hmm. gratitudes,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: how to write your own, how to find gratitude. A lot of times Muslims say, oh brother, I'm, I'm living in such a dis- uh, difficult life. How can I find something to be grateful for? There's always something to be grateful for. If you look for it, and this book fa- helps you to find a way to find things to be grateful for, mm-hmm. it gives you a list of places to look, inshallah. Mm-hmm. And then the <laughs> next one, top 20 goals, and how to write your own recurring goals, ways of life that will help us. So all of these are part of the Breakthrough Challenge, the Breakthrough Challenge, the uh, Islamic Relief, Seven Days to Islamic Relief from Depression and Anxiety. This resource gives a complete practice every day for embracing the most beautiful life. And it's really what rescued me from all of this destruction, divorce, marriage, terrible things that I dealt with, all of the hardships, suicide attempts, hospitalizations. My life has not been easy by any stretch of the imagination. But mm-hmm. alhamdulillah, by the grace of Allah, He gave me the keys to find relief. And that's why I'm so dedicated to sharing this with others, mm-hmm. you know?
0: Yeah, I, I love the ayah you shared in Allahumma al because because um, it draws upon being patient and it goes back to what we were saying about being patient with medication.
1: Right. That's so true.
0: it's not, that's how we're linking Quran and our thinking of Allah in a very holistic way. Absolutely. And I think that is what we need to remember with mental illness. We need a holistic approach. Absolutely. So I hope that's the takeaway message. We have to wrap up soon. So is there something you want to add before you go? I'm going to link all your eBooks and your website in the show notes. So inshallah, um, who uh, inshallah, you guys can visit and you can get more help. So anything else you wanna add?
1: There is one thing I'd like to add. And this is that for now, I haven't decided how long-term this is. So inshallah, you'll take action sooner rather than later. But I believe that it can help everyone to have someone to talk to one-on-one in order to help explain their story and discuss their story, but also to find input and guidance about how to feel better. I am a counselor. I help people one-on-one, but I've decided for some time, and I haven't decided exactly how long, so reach out, and we'll see if if the offer still stands when you reach out. I would like to give an offer to your community, to your audience, one free session with me, an hour-long session, that they can connect with me, get feedback, get connections, get understanding. I can talk about resources that may benefit them, ideas that may help them. I wanna be of service to the community. So for some time, and I don't know how long this video is going to be up. So
0: take advantage. Take
1: advantage when you can, reach out because I want to be of service to your community and to help people who are struggling, make an appointment, set up a time. I'll give you the link that you can pass along and you can schedule a time on my calendar. It'll be adjusted for whatever time zone you're in, whatever. Come and get the help that you need. And whether it's one session or more than one session, it's okay with me. Mm-hmm. I want people to get the help that they need and to have someone who actually understands. So this is an offer that I'm making to you right here, right now. And inshallah, people will take advantage of it and not wait too long because <laughs> the offer may not last forever.
0: But yeah. But I think it's very important. Uh, Alhamdulillah, I'm glad that you offered that. And it's also good because you have a male perspective, which often differs, of course, from a female perspective. Hmm. So I hope the the male listeners on this uh, podcast, which is actually growing. I I thought it was in the beginning, it was just all females. So Hmm. now there's a a bigger percentage of men who are listening. So especially to uh, that audience, I hope that you can reach out to Brother Omar. Of course, it's open to anyone. Um, is, you don't even have to be Muslim, okay. but I, I think you have that viewpoint.
1: One thing that I'd also like to share is that I've actually found in my personal life, um, in the therapists that I have gone to for help, because I get therapy just as I give therapy, because we all mm-hmm. need help, right? But I have found that sometimes having an opposite gender counselor can be very helpful Mm -hmm. if you've had bad experiences actually with people of the opposite gender. Sometimes Mm -hmm. a relationship with someone of the opposite gender can help you to heal and learn healthy ways Mm -hmm. of interacting because the male and the female, the yin and the yang, all of these Mm -hmm. concepts, there are differences, but we have to learn to be on the same team. And sometimes Mm -hmm. a lot of trauma, if you've been had, if you've had bad experiences with men in the past, as a sister, it can be healing to have a healthy relationship with someone who Mm -hmm. is safe and Mm -hmm. able to guide and protect you. And it can actually be very healing. I have had clients, and of course I can't give names, but I've had clients who've dealt with sexual assault and trauma and Mm -hmm. all sorts of things. And having someone compassionate on the other side who can help them through it has been Mm -hmm. useful for them. And it's helped them to get into healthy relationships into the future. So I'm just saying that some people Mm -hmm. feel if you're a man, you should only see a male counselor. Mm -hmm. If you're a woman, you should only see Mm -hmm. a woman counselor. I do believe that that's generally my preference, but sometimes in certain situations, if you've had a negative experience, sometimes healing, you need an example of a healthy relationship as a model for your future healthy examples. If all you've Mm -hmm. ever had are negative, if you're a sister and all you've ever had are negative examples, of experiences with men, in order to change that dynamic, you need to experience one healthy relationship with a man before you can bring that into your life. So that, that's just a, a sort of a word of of. Uh,
0: yeah, I've never heard that viewpoint. I think that's a very, very interesting point. And I can see that being true for many people. I, I never looked at it that way. I guess I was just speaking from experience, but I, I really like that you added you shared that. So um yeah. thanks. Thanks I for actually, saying that.
1: I, I had a female counselor and she really helped me to see some things from a perspective that I wouldn't have been able to. And because it was a trusting mm-hmm. environment, there was a lot of healing that I realized that I needed to do and that I was able to do through the therapeutic relationship.
0: Yeah. And I also want to put out there because a lot of people who are Muslim, when they ask me, oh, do you have a Muslim counselor that, you know, who, who I can reach out? And they just feel comfortable with somebody who's of the same faith. But for me, um, my counselor is not Muslim. And I find that that works better for me mm-hmm. than somebody who is Muslim, because what I'm struggling struggling with is more about mental. And I don't really talk about Islam when, when I'm in therapy. So... Mm-hmm or i just find it works better for me so i think for right. everyone you just like medication you have to find a therapist who works for you you have to be right. patient and you have to find one that doesn't have side effects or anything that makes you feel worse you know right. so try it out it's all about being patient I, I would say if we could title this episode it would be in the <laughs> patience and everything and at the beginning patient being patient is very bitter like for the first 5-10 seconds, it is so uncomfortable. You want to escape. You want to run. But then after that, that sweetness comes. Mm-hmm. So I hope uh, y- you found some sweetness in this episode. Thank you so much for coming and sharing. I really learned a lot. And I love the prayer bees. I-, I love that idea.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Alhamdulillah.
0: All right. So I hope to have you on soon, inshallah, in another episode. Inshallah. Thank you, Brother Omar. Assalamualaikum. All right. That's it for today. Thank you for joining me. I hope you found it beneficial. And if you did, please pass on this episode to a family or a friend. We really need to raise awareness about psychiatric medications and having a middle balanced view on it. All right. See you next time. as alaykum.